Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. I'm Christine, your host. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We are Christine Gershom sharing the word of God today. Hi church, it's my joy and privilege to share God's word with each of you today. Um, as you know, we've been doing the God With Us series um, in keeping with Advent and we've been looking at how Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And today we're going to be continuing the series and in fact, we're concluding it today um, and we're going to be looking at how God is with us to give us life. Um, I'm going to be reading from the book of John, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. I urge you to open up your Bibles and if you don't have a Bible with you, it's fine. Just allow the words to wash over you. They're very powerful Very poetic, very beautifully written. Let's read it together. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 14. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. The The verse that I want us to look at, especially during this Advent season, during this week leading up to Christmas Day, is this, the Word became human and made His home among us. We commonly know that as the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only. That's the verse that we want to fix on today, that He became flesh to be with us. And so today I want us to also look deeper at this passage, which is the only reference to Jesus' birth and his initial years in, in the book of John. And there's this very interesting analogy that John makes. He calls Jesus the light. He says he's the light that gives life. And so I want us to look closer at that for a second. Um, I'm a science student, love everything to do with science. And for those of you who like science as well, you'll know how important light is for growth. Um, I remember in my days as a biotechnologist um, working in the labs, um, I remember that we used to use light as a trigger for a lot of experiments. And the interesting thing is the absence of light doesn't necessarily mean lack of growth. The absence of light has actually grown all kinds of uh, harmful fungi and things like that, which are less than savory. Whereas the light, the bright light, even of a lab, has birthed some incredible things, incredible cell division, incredible things have grown and been brought to life. You look at the sun, without the sun, plants don't grow. We don't have oxygen, humans can't survive. We need light. In the natural realm, we need light to have life. 
so much more in the spiritual realm without Jesus, who is called the light of the world. We would not have life. And I want us to look at three reasons as to why we need Jesus, the light of the world. What does he do um, as the light of the world? And I want us to look at the first thing, which is the light exposes. When Jesus comes into our life, or even when we're contemplating letting Jesus into our life, he will expose the dark deeds of our life. He will expose the darkness that exists because we live in a fallen world. And that's the beauty of it. He didn't come to judge us. He came to save us. As we saw, heard last week, he has come to save us. And so when Jesus comes in, he exposes unsavory deeds of darkness. That's the first thing that the light does. The second thing is the light guides Imagine you walking on this on the street with no street lights. It's a bit scary. You don't know what creature is in your way. You don't know if there is a pothole. You don't want to hurt yourself. Whereas when Jesus comes into your life, he promises that when you walk in my path, you will have safety. That's what the word of God says, that when the light of the world is with you, he gives you direction. He shows you how to walk. Isn't that so good? Without the light, you will stumble. You will harm yourself. So that's the second thing. The light guides us. And the third thing is that the light touches and transforms us. It's very interesting. Even if you're in a pitch dark room, have you noticed that after a point, your eyes start getting used to the room? Why is that? Because light from somewhere, anywhere around, will somehow enter through a crack or something else and it flood, and it gives you the, the vision that you need to see. Light cannot be contained. It has to touch and transform and that's what Jesus does in our life. When he comes into our life, He doesn't. the light doesn't just touch us. It transforms us. It changes us completely, or at least it has to. So I want to look at that point today. I want us to look at whether the light of the world, whether Emmanuel has touched us and transformed us. How do we know what he expects of us? We're talking about the light giving life. So that warrants the question, what kind of life are we expected to live? Now that we have the light of the world in our lives, now that the light of the world resides with us because he is Emmanuel, what does our life look like? What should our life look like? And that's an important question. That's a question that each of us who know Jesus need to be asking ourselves. And so I want us to turn our attention to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. This is what it says. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, Christ, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of fragrant incense, which are the prayers of the saints, God's people. And they sang a new song of glorious redemption, saying, Worthy and deserving are you to take the scroll and to break its seals, for you are slain, sacrificed, and with your blood, you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of royal subjects and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. I don't know about you, but this is such a beautiful visual image. Just imagine people from every tribe, tongue, nation, creed, bowing at the throne worshiping God. And that's kind of what it looks like today, even on earth. Those of us who worship together, we're so different from such different backgrounds. And so we constitute this group who've been called and, and purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb. And those elders are, are falling before the throne, worshiping, and they're speaking aloud of what our lives must look like. And there are three things that you can gauge from this verse. Verse 10, I'm going to repeat it. You have made them to be a kingdom of royal subjects, priests to our God, 
and they will reign on the earth. And so that warrants, and so that shows us that there are three things, three ways in which we are called to live our lives. The first thing is we're called to live our lives in abundance. How do I know that? It says, you have made them to be a kingdom of royal subjects. You and I, we belong to an unfailing kingdom. We, we belong to an eternal kingdom. We are royal subjects. We are royalty. I don't know if you watched the series, The Crown. Um, in, the, in, in the series, they show about how the queen lives in her palace and she has a family and they're also extended family and, and cousins once removed, twice removed, who live there as well. There are many who dwell in the different quarters and they have so many palaces. There are different people dwelling there. These are royal subjects. They have access to a lot of luxury. They have a lot of access to things that the royal family has access to. They live in abundance and they, they don't operate at the level of regular people. They operate at a different level. And I want us to look at this closely. When I talk about abundance, I'm not talking about earthly riches. I'm not talking about the accumulation of uh, big houses or fancy cars. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm looking at here is a spiritual abundance, an abundance of spirit, an abundance on so many levels that we can't fathom. I've been mulling over this for a very long time. I know that in Christ Jesus, we have an inheritance, an unspoiled inheritance, Peter writes. But what does that look like on this side of eternity? Because here we are, we are on earth. We've not yet touched heaven. But on earth, what does this inheritance look like? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Again, it seems so cryptic. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. But I want to challenge you today. You and I, we are royal subjects. We have access to the abundance of spiritual riches in Christ. What does this look like? What does that look like for you and me? Let's, let's look deeper at what it looks like. It means wisdom and understanding. That's what Ephesians 1.8 says. He talks about the abundance of wisdom and understanding that's made available to us when we have a revelation of Jesus. We have the deposit of the Holy Spirit who empowers us for everything. He is the foretaste of eternity. He's the deposit, the Holy Spirit. What's another spiritual blessing we have? We have patience, the ability to endure struggles and suffering. We have joy in the midst of suffering. These are spiritual blessings, contentment and everything. Paul writes that he's learned to be content when he has lots, when he has nothing. That's the beauty of the Christian walk, that we will learn to be content no matter what. That's a spiritual blessing. That's not in our, that's not possible in our flesh. That's a spiritual blessing in Christ. Lamentations talks about God's great love, which is available to all of us. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a huge comfort that I have a God who loves me. He doesn't look at me from this pedestal and 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 kind of you know um, look at me with pity, but no, he he has the greatest love and compassion for me. That's a spiritual blessing. Also, grace and righteousness. We so often forget. We we say it. Um, you know, just in passing, you know, it was just the grace of God that I made it here safe. It's just the grace of God that I got that promotion. Hey, the grace of God holds our lives up. Without it, we've been nowhere. The righteousness of Christ, we are clothed in his righteousness. So today, you and I don't have to live in condemnation. Though the enemy will put uh, intimidating and uh, condemning thoughts into our mind, we stand clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You and I are forgiven. We stand clean before him. And these are just a few of the immense spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus. 
All we need to do is look into his word and ask him, Lord, I want that. I want to live in abundance. It's amazing how this abundance does not necessarily come when we have everything going well. When we have everything going well, it's easy to say we're joyful. It's easy to say we're experiencing peace. But when we hit turbulence, that's when this abundance kicks in. I have um, a great interest in stories of the Holocaust and, and the stories of hope that come from it. And so many of the books that I've read, the people who knew Jesus, who walked in his ways, who had the hope of eternity, the way they looked at their suffering was so different. They looked at it at, at with, this, with this idea of abundance in Jesus, that even in the hardest of times, we have peace in Jesus, we have security, we are safe, we are protected, we have eternity to hope for. So I want to ask you today, why do we live with a poverty mindset? Why do we live with a victim mindset? That's not what God has created us for. That's not why his light has touched us. We need to live with a victorious mindset. We need to live with an abundant mindset, a mindset of, Lord, even if I don't have enough physically, I know I have more than enough spiritually. So can we really change our mindset today and say, Lord, I want to live in abundance. My life is going to demonstrate the abundance of what I have through Christ Jesus. So that's the first thing. Live like royalty. Live in the spiritual abundance that is available to you in Jesus. The second thing, it's a life of service. It talks about priests. It talks about a, a, a group of priests who serve God. And that talks about a life of service to God. And um, in, the, in the Old Testament, when we looked at priests, priests were the intermediates between the, the, the laity and between God. They stood in the gap, literally. And here, when we are called to be priests, this indicates that we have such an intimate, close connection with this God. And this is for everyone. How do we know this? Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. There's that reference again to light. We are called to be priests, every single one of us. There's no one or two of us who are more elevated than the others. No, we are all called to be priests. And what is the point of this priesthood? First of all, to demonstrate that God is so intimate with each of us. We don't need a label for us to be closer to God. All of us are so so close to God. He loves each of us and we have such intimate, uh, the possibility of an intimate relationship with him. The second thing that this relationship implies is that um, we are called to tell others of the goodness of God. And what does that actually mean? Paul talks about a ministry of reconciliation that each of us carry on our lives. So if someone asks you, what's your calling in life? You can say this, I'm a minister of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means reconciling people around us to God. We we're separated from him. I like in the message, it talks about how we were living in darkness and then God rescued us and brought us into the light. Shouldn't you share that with others? Your story could actually bring about reconciliation between someone else and God. So we're ministers of reconciliation. That is our calling uniformly for all of us. We're called to this high calling. The other thing is that being priests does not mean that we give up our jobs and join a priesthood. Or become pastors. That's not it. Since we are all priests, we're on the same pedestal. The important thing is to serve God where we are at, irrespective of what our calling looks like, irrespective of what our occupation. We could be doctors, 
we could be uh, government workers we could be healthcare people we could be uh, lawmakers we could be lawyers be bankers whatever we do we do it as unto the lord because our master is christ jesus and so we can work well under authority we can work well as the authority ourselves that's the beauty of this calling ourselves priests doesn't mean that we need to shift our profession completely it just means being ready to serve god where we are at in the place that he has called us to be that's what this looks like so the priestly calling on our lives is uniform is for every single one of us none of us is exempt we are all called to reconcile people to god we're all called to tell of how this intimate relationship with your creator has changed your life that's what this does that's what this should do that's what a priestly calling on yours and mine looks like and the third thing is we are called to live a life of power and authority how do i know that it ends that verse ends with they will rule on earth they will reign on earth i want us to look at ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 to 23 to kind of understand this tension between power and authority what they look like and how we can actually appropriate that into our lives ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 to 23 it says this i also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of god's power for us who believe him This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself when we look at this chapter we looked at two words that came out of it one is power the greek word for power is dunamis which basically means a miraculous explosive kind of power it's the power that raised jesus from the dead it's an immense power we can't even understand this that's the dunamis power which paul writes dwells in us because we have now accepted the light of the world into our lives his power resides in us and the power is mediated by the holy spirit which is why we cannot do without the holy spirit we need him he is highly essential to our lives he activates the power in our lives the second word which i wanted us to look at is authority and authority the greek word for that is exousia exousia basically means delegated authority delegated permission so what happened is god has given permission he gave authority to jesus and everything on earth in heaven is under jesus's authority and the beauty of this is jesus gives us that very authority he says all authority has been given in heaven and on earth that's how he starts the great commission he has delegated the authority he also says i give you the authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions that is the authority that is at our disposal we have that it's been delegated to us the important thing is that we exercise the power that has been given to us and we need the holy spirit for that to explain power and authority a little bit more um imagine you have to do a bit of remodeling in your garden for those of you who like gardens you want to uproot a tree you want to take it out and you probably want to landscape it so you call a gardener or a landscaper and you tell him you know what i'm giving you permission you can move the tree and you know take it and you know transplant it anywhere else and so the landscaper arrives but the only tools he has in his tool belt is a measuring tape and a pen now you have given him the authority 
So he has the authority to move the tree, but he doesn't have the tools required to actually uproot the tree and take it out. That's what power looks like. It's the capability to actually exercise the authority. Without power, the authority is just that. It has no it has no value. The authority is exercised and moved and actually creates that that effect because of the power. You and I we all have the authority. The minute we accept Jesus, the light of the world has said that I give you power and authority. I give you this authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions. It's amazing he says that you when you um speak on earth for something to be loosed on earth it's loosed in heaven and vice versa that's the kind of power the authority we have but so often we act powerless we act like you know what this i'm meant to be under this this strain i'm meant to be this stressed i'm meant to be this worried but hey can we just take a second to accept that authority that's been given to us and walk in the power that the holy spirit provides us with we need him we need the holy spirit so i want to ask us today as much as i'm teaching you this i've been appropriating this in my life is my life one of abundance maybe on the surface of it to me i feel like i don't have this or that but am i walking in that spiritual abundance that jesus has promised me do i walk in that place of abundance of wisdom of knowledge of endurance of joy of grace of understanding god's love towards me do i walk in that security do i live in that abundance is that the kind of life i live do i live a life of service to god irrespective of what i'm doing maybe i don't have time to go and serve in a church maybe with this whole lockdown i'm not seeing anybody else but maybe i need to ask god lord how can i serve you today because i've been called into a priesthood a royal priesthood i want to serve you lord have i asked him because when we serve him this incredible purpose that comes upon our lives we don't live for ourselves anymore when i live in that abundance it attracts other people to jesus not to me it attracts them to jesus they want to know what's different about us and finally do i walk and live a powerful life a life that actually intimidates the enemy and not vice versa do i live a life that exemplifies what it looks like to really exert that authority and power that jesus gave us because when we do this demons will flee they will shudder because the name of jesus is constantly on our lips so i want to ask us can we ask god today i need fresh life lord i feel like i'm living in a tomb of darkness of brokenness of self pity of fear of worry of anxiety but light of the world you came for me and you said jesus that i am the light of the world which means that when the light of the world touches me his light starts to impermeate me it starts to pervade every part of my life and so what people see is the light in me and that's what jesus said he said let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise my father in heaven that's what it looks like to have the light of the world fill us with his life i want to close with this passage from malachi malachi chapter 4 verse 2 i've claimed this promise many times over my life without understanding what it actually meant let me read it for you but for you who fear my name the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go free leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture the word son is actually a, an example of the real son in our solar system the jewish people when they read this um this is one of the last words 
of the prophet, prophet Malachi before the New Testament begins. And is basically telling the Jewish people, hey, you know the sun that you wake up every morning and see? The Messiah who is to come, the Davidic descendant who is coming, he is like that sun. He's going to hold all of creation together, all our purpose, all of our lives, everything that we do and say and breathe about will, will be actually led by him. It will be led and directed by him because he is like the sun. You know, the sun at the center of the solar system holds all the planets at that right place with the gravitational force that it exerts. And because of the earth being at this very correct distance from the sun, we, it can actually sustain life. Mercury can't sustain life. It's too close. Things would burn up. The, the farthest planets don't get enough sunlight, but we are at this right place. And that's what it looks like for those of us who follow Jesus. He is the son of righteousness. And when he comes, he will set your life free. Free from whatever has been holding you down. Free from whatever has been binding you. That's what you need today. So can I pray with you right now? Father in heaven, I pray that every single person who's watching this right now will experience the touch of the son of righteousness. That you will touch each of our lives, that you will break every kind of hole the enemy has on us, that we will go out frolicking like calves, oh Father, put out to pasture, carefree, enjoying the life that you've blessed us with. Father, we pray that we'll experience the light, light's power to touch and transform us. I pray, oh Lord, that we will live lives of power. I pray that, Lord, we will live lives of incredible spiritual abundance and that, Lord, we will live lives that are in service of you. I pray, Lord, no more will we live self-obsessed lives. No more will we live selfish lives, Lord. No more will we live lives sounding and looking like a victim. But, Lord, that we'll rise up like the victors that we are. We love you, O Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.